Welcome to Flip the Script. Join us tonight as we ditch the diets, the fear, and judgment. Tuesday. I was just thinking <laughs> if I just left you on there like two seconds too long after the hook, how uncomfortable that must be for people. Why? Just think about like the dead air of just sitting there. But anyway, okay. No, I'm a super good fluffer. I would have started telling jokes. <laughs> I would have been like back in my day, we used to walk six miles to school. Oh my God. Do you I know what a fluffer is? Like a professional fluffer? Do we need to talk about that? You know what? I, I'm not really interested in society's definition of fluffer. For me, I'm thinking of like really fluffy pillows. I'm thinking of being in a five-star hotel. I'm thinking of, you know, making things fuller. Okay. Yep. We do make things fuller when we fluff. Can I make your life fuller when I fluff you? Oh, you do, baby. You tell me all the time. It's something to do with pornos. Yeah. Yeah, but that's okay. I'm going to keep my version. Now I got the gigs. <laughs> the what? <laughs> the gigs. <laughs> okay, okay. Let's okay, get wait started. a second. Tell me, how was your day? My day was a shit show on crack. Oh. But yeah. Um... Welcome to motherhood. <laughs> But I will tell you. I love you. I want to kill you. I love you. Please stay. Don't go. I love you. Goodbye. <laughs> Thank you. Goodbye. <laughs> Where's the wine? Yeah. Yeah. So afterwards, I'm going to have a real big glass of whiskey tonight. Yeah. Big glass. Yeah. That's cool. I'm on my third cup of tea. So it's been a day too. Tea? Yeah. I'm throwing them back tonight. <laughs> I'm so excited for tonight's show, Kelly. We have two fantastic guests and we should, you know, you and I need to stop taking up this valuable airtime because one of our guests is backstage and having a conversation with this woman, I just felt the connection. Kelly, it's same mission, passion and purpose as you and I. And, you know, we'll let her get into the, the how she got to where she is. But just really, if you're watching and you've been, you know, struggling with yo-yo dieting, chronic weight issues, self-care, self-love, all of the stuff we talk about every show, Bethany's really, you know, she's the expert on why you need to ditch the diet mentality and really find alignment within yourself. And hopefully she can give us some tips on how to do that. All right. Yeah. So let's bring her on. Welcome to Flip the no. Script. Drum roll. Oh. Hello. Hello. You, guys, you guys are cracking me up back there. Oh, we try, we try. <laughs> we, try we try to be real serious. Yeah. We always start that way. We're like, okay, we got this whole thing going, and then Emma will say something, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah. And on the day she's like, okay, let's get to it. And I'm like, not happening. I'm not gonna let her have it. Bethany, but awesome. this is about you and your expertise. We get to goof off enough. So mm -hmm. you and I got to have a really lovely conversation. But you know, for Kelly and the viewers, can you tell us a little bit about who you are and how you ended up on this journey in particular? Yeah, sure. Thank you for uh, introducing me here. So I actually started my whole journey um, as a nurse and I worked in the diet industry, which is kind of a bit contradictory what we're talking about today. Mm -hmm. So I worked in the diet industry for five years before I had my two boys. And I found a lot of similarities between people that kept happening over and over again. Um, I'd say there were probably three main key things that were happening that weren't actually helping people like lose the weight and keep it off. What I kept seeing every year was people coming back in even heavier when they first started. Like that was mm -hmm. quite 
bad. Like, and I was like, well, there's something up here. Like, why are people coming back in and they're heavier than normal? Um, and I found out just talking to the patients that there were a lot of key things missing. And a lot of it was around like emotional health. Um, after that, I decided to do my nutrition diploma and I actually decided to help people in a holistic way versus just helping them, you know, lose weight on a diet because it was just such a rigid way of losing the weight and there was nothing helping them long-term. Like they were coming mm -hmm. back and even worse. And I'm like, this is a broken system. Like I need to help people. And I was passionate about helping people as well. Um, so I left my job when I was pretty heavy pregnant with my first son. So I was about a good eight months pregnant. Um, and I went on mat leave and I decided just to do my business, Nutritious and Delicious. And basically I started helping moms all over the world learn how to actually holistically eat better, take care of themselves. Um, and on that journey too, I, you know, I had my boys and I had two. So I have now a six-year-old and an eight-year-old. Uh, so two rambunctious boys. <laughs> yeah. Um, and, uh, I was just listening to the whole, like, let's have a drink before we, yeah. you know, this, this session. I was like, yeah, okay. Yeah. yeah. We're at that point that too. Yeah. Um, yeah. So it's been a, a crazy ride. And, um, personally, I also became a widow when I, um, my boys were three and five years old. So I've mm -hmm. now been a widow also for three years. So on that journey of, um, you know, from career to stay at home mom to running a business online to becoming 100% the breadwinner and, you know, both parents all in one, it's been, you know, a crazy journey to oh say the God. least. And keeping yeah. your mental health in check. Oh, yeah. There's, yeah so much, there's so much to unpack here. But for those who have never been to a registered dietitian or gone for help in the system, you said a few times you saw that the system was broken. People were coming back and they had gained more weight than yeah. when they had been there before. So what does that look like? How often are you seeing them? What kinds of plans are they on? And they're coming back and how, how, how much time do you have with each patient? Are you talking about like when I was nursing before yeah. in the industry? Yeah. Okay. So I was probably seeing them three times a week, which seems like a lot, but the, the component that they were missing um, wasn't the emotional part of it. It was basically, there was no education behind what they were doing and why they were doing it. They were just given a plan to say, this works, follow it. Mm. And people were like, okay, I'll follow it. But then the problem is when things are so restrictive, it kind of backfires. Mm -hmm. And we see a whole host of other problems. And I actually saw people become worse because of it, because it creates binge cycles. So I can yeah. go into all that too. Oh, I could definitely even relate to that. For those who are watching, we talk about it all the time, but from your point of view and your expertise, how would you explain a binge cycle? A binge cycle? <clears throat> um, it can look different for different people. It's typically where you've had some sort of restriction, um, whether it's you're exercising a lot or you're restricting your calories or certain food groups. And I've noticed it's when people are told like, you can't have these certain food groups or you're on a very small um, calorie deficit diet. So I'm talking about women probably under 1200 calories, men mm -hmm. under 1600 calories. That's when you kind of get into the dieting like territory mentality. Um, when you start saying to people, you can't have this, you can't have that. It's like people instantly want it. And they're like, mm -hmm. well, or they'll, they'll stockpile like food. So basically they'll eat a whole bunch of food over their like regular calorie consumption um, typically it's in very high fat, very high sugar, very high carbohydrate levels. So this is what like is things like pizza, like it could be alcohol, it could be ice cream, chocolate chips, like in mass amounts mm -hmm. until like your stomach is hurting, you feel sick, but there's almost like a weird emotional satisfaction from that. Cause you're like, now I don't feel deprived, you know? Yeah. So yeah. it's kind of like, it's sort of giving you that calmness, that sedation, um, the euphoric feeling in the moment, mm -hmm. and then all hell breaks loose. You start to feel shame. It goes into a cycle of guilt, you know, and then you start self-sabotaging and the cycle repeats itself. Yeah. So that's what you noticed was the, the issue. And then how did you tweak that? 
how did I put that into my business? Yeah. Now you left because you were like, I'm clearly not, you know, I'm not it's able to it. help them in the way. And I know that there's something deeper. There's an emotional yeah. component. You went back to school to study nutrition. Yeah. And there was, was intention when you studied nutrition. So the, the issue was with how low the calories were and the type of foods I had to recommend based off the work that I was doing, it wasn't even real food. So I was recommending things like, I don't know, goldfish crackers and aspartame flavored this Ooh. and that. Yeah. Um, when they're like, okay, well on my list, I'm not allowed to have corn or carrots or like quinoa, like, and yeah. that's real food. Like I'm confused that's what here. We talked about. Yeah. And yeah. I'm kind of like, uh, like, like I know that, Mm -hmm. but because of my job, I can only recommend like the good stuff. So I would try and sort of pick out the good stuff off the mm -hmm. list that we were given. Cause obviously it's protocol. You have to follow it, but it was tough because it was um, very contradictory of what I was learning at the same time and how foods are healing and can help you. And if you have, you know, celiac or, you know, dairy intolerances, which are like prevalent in our family, you know, they're still allowed to have all these things on this plan. And they're like, well, I'm losing weight, but then they're like, but my stomach hurts and this and that is happening. And it just wasn't catered to them. Yeah. It's like you conform to that diet. So that's how mm -hmm. diets work is that you have to conform to them. Yeah. And honestly, it was like 90, 90 to 95% of people couldn't, couldn't do it. Like couldn't keep yeah. to it for the rest of their lives. So how did you come up with, okay, I'm a registered nurse and now I've got this degree in nutrition, yet I know my intuition is pulling me that there's something deeper and it's rooted in the subconscious mind or the emotional aspect or trauma, unresolved issues. Where did that piece of the puzzle come in? So what I realized with the diet industry is there was no there was no room for emotional growth or changes being implemented. And this is where the self-sabotaging behaviors were coming from. So this is probably 80% of what I deal with in my business now. Um, this is basically where people are binging, not because of just the feeling of not having enough or being deprived, but there's also things like emotional trauma, mm -hmm. uh, trauma from childhood, um, or even adulthood, and it hasn't been addressed. Um, this is also where, you know, if you're not healing on the inside, it reflects on the outside. So it's the mm -hmm. way, it's another way of also um, protecting yourself. So when I spoke to a lot of like the women that were going through um, the dieting and stuff, they had a lot of like trauma from childhood, and they were almost putting the weight back on for a self preservation because it kept, it kept them feeling protected. So that again is not, <clears throat> excuse me, that's not being worked on, but we're just rigidly telling you how to sort of eat a meal plan. And it's, mm -hmm. it wasn't addressing the actual problem and the concern. So this is where, you know, I put a lot of time and effort and energy into my coaching um, with my mommies that are on my membership because it's easy to give somebody a plan and say, here, go, go, like, go do a fitness plan or go do a nutrition plan. People like, okay, I know what I should be doing. Yeah. But a lot of the times within a week or two, you start to sort of spiral a little bit and it could be yeah. just an emotional day. You're not coping properly. You don't have the tools to deal with things. Um, it's also a, like food is also a form of reward and also a form of punishment. Girl, you're speaking our language. We literally just wrote a book about childhood trauma yeah. and how that's keeping you overweight. And so oh, yeah. we love hearing, you know, from other experts that that it is such. Kelly, are the ladies on tonight? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Backstage, I feel like they would get such a, a kick out of speaking with Bethany. So <clears throat> oh, excuse me. Um, yes, all three of them are here. And do you mind if we bring them on so they yeah. can ask you a couple of questions? Sure thing. Okay, Tina, so Rachel and Erica are three ladies that we work with in our coaching program for the total transformation. And actually they have two weeks left and they've had phenomenal results. And, but a lot of it has been unlearning yes. what the diet culture and, you know, the diet mentality. And as you'll hear, you know, if you, when you watch the show or watch our coaching with them live, it's, that's one of the most challenging parts is because mm -hmm. when you struggle with your weight from a young age, it's all about the next diet, more mm -hmm. restriction, different restrictions. Mm -hmm. 
And, and so then you meet people like us and we're like, stop calorie counting. Get off the restricting yourself. Yeah. And they're like, who are these broads? I'm not listening yeah. to that. Like, I can't talk to myself. I, I, I don't know what that looks like. I need someone to tell me what to do. Yeah. yeah I hear that. That's a very, that statement you just said right there. Like, I need someone to tell me what to do. I heard that a lot in the diet industry. Mm -hmm. yeah. I'm, I'm getting yeah. triggers everywhere. So let's bring them on and see if they have any questions for you. Sure thing. And Where is Erica? Erica. Hi. Tina. Tina. Hello. Oh, Rachel. Hi. Hello. Bethany's Canadian. Woo -hoo. Three for three. Woo -hoo. Hey. There she is. Hey. Welcome, eh? Yeah. Ladies, do you have any questions for her nutrition-wise? She is um, a nutritionist, so you can ask any any questions you want. Open for it. Fire at her. I uh, I want to know which I don't know if I would call them trigger foods. You learned that the diet culture really discourages that are actually fine or healthy to eat. Mm. Carbs. Yeah, I, I'm not quite sure what the question is there. Are you talking sort of about like the diet industry or sort of what are your trigger foods? Like the diet industry. Like what the diet industry considers like, okay, typically the thing is diets are all different, right? So typically they'll say things like the regulars, the pizzas, the burgers, um, the fries, the ice creams, the chocolates, it's all junk food. The difference is what I do is I actually still make those foods, but I make them healthier. So I make like homemade pizzas. I make like yam fries. Um, I've made, cause I'm dairy free. Um, I can't eat any dairy whatsoever. Um, I have to make my own sort of ice cream and I use like frozen bananas, avocado. So I re I use real food in my cooking and I'm never to say you can't ever have a burger or pizza again. I just make it differently. So it's actually healthier and my kids eat it and they're like, are we allowed to eat burgers and pizza? I'm like, yeah, it's real food. But yeah. I think what happens is a lot of the times they are like fast food. And so they've kind of been deemed as these like trigger, like you said, triggered junk foods, right? So yeah. it's kind of changing the perspective of how you view them because you're always told, like we've talked about, um, they're off limits. So then what happens when you tell someone they're off limits, you want them. It's just mm -hmm. human nature, right? Mm -hmm. Erica was on a plan. Can I interject for a sec? Because when we met Erica and she started on this program, she, you know, had met with a nutritionist, right? Correct. And you were like sort of on a plan that was something like 900 calories a day. Am I remembering correctly? I was on that, the 900 calories before seeing the nutritionist. Okay. Um, uh, that's what I dealt with, 900 calories dieting. Yeah. And so what has been your biggest challenge in terms of what they, you know, what your nutritionist told you or being going from 900 calories to now? Well, the first thing is that the nutritionist that I saw was too afraid to help me. And she suggested mm -hmm. that I find someone specifically for eating disorders instead of giving me a plan that is a healthy thing to follow you know, like educating me, which is right. what I thought she would be able to do. Um, she just gave me a pamphlet and she suggested that I seek out someone else. Because like we've talked about, it's when you are in the dieting mentality and you've lived that way and you've grown up that way, it's, you have to unlearn what you've learned basically. So when you go see um, somebody that specializes in nutrition, they're trying to get you to eat more calories, which is kind of weird because now you're like, well, why am I eating more? Shouldn't I be eating less? But it's finding the right foods. And if you are craving things like burgers, pizza, pasta, um, you know, chocolate, all that, you need to find alternatives to it. Because if you just cut someone off and say, nope, you shouldn't be eating this, you know, now you need to eat like salad for the rest of your life. What's going to happen? Someone's going to go on like a free for all. Mm -hmm. And then you feel like I have no life and I enjoy my food. I still enjoy my food. I just make it a little bit better and I put real food in it. Right. Mm. So it sounds like, um, the person that maybe you were dealing with probably wasn't understanding maybe the emotional side of what you needed mm -hmm. because yeah. that's a huge component. It's like 80% of what I deal with. Mm -hmm. with people, right? Yeah. 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 Yeah.
struggling with your weight chronically or dieting for your whole life. It's about shedding the layers and healing and then it manifests itself. That's why, yeah, that's why coaching, I think, and what you guys do, like, that's why coaching is so, I think, paramount to start somebody out. Um, and it takes a while. Like, I've had to do a lot of transformations myself, um, going through lots of diversity. And it's actually the slower, the better you win the race. And it doesn't seem like you're making progress. But when you look back, you're like, oh, I'm actually a different person. I promise we didn't pay her to say all of this stuff, but you were completely <laughs> saying everything. Yeah. Yeah. Tina yeah. and Rachel, do you guys have questions for Bethany? Can't tell if one of them is unmuting. <laughs> Rachel, we'll go with you. Do you have any questions? I have not thought of any. No. <laughs> okay. Tina? No. She's frozen. Tina's frozen. Tina's frozen. <laughs> you, you mentioned something earlier, you know, about how these plans that, you know, you were following protocol when you were giving them out. But for example, someone couldn't eat corn or, you know, I remember doing, you know, a very, very popular diet. And it was like for the first three weeks, I couldn't eat any fruit. It was like, you can't have any fruit and you can't have any carrots and you can't have any sweet potatoes and you can't have any corn. Why is that? The reason why most diets do that is because they're, they're trying to get rid of the carbohydrate load. So a lot of the times when you go on a diet, um, they typically will gravitate to more either healthy fat, high protein, um, or low calorie type of salads, or even to the point where like the diets that I worked in, um, sugar-free substitutes, which actually are very bad for you. Mm -hmm. And I can personally say I'm highly allergic to them and it's not mm -hmm. fun to deal with. Can I stop you right there? Why are they so bad for you? Because everyone says it, but no one really yeah. talks about what they do that's bad besides causing cancer every time they say. Yeah, I'll you know. give you an example. So I thought I was being fairly healthy and I was using protein shakes and stuff like that. I had what's called Splenda. The other name for it is sucralose in my protein powder. I had no idea. Like I was, you know, eating a normal healthy diet. I never thought my to look for that ingredient. It's in your toothpaste. And I found that out the other day. So I was using toothpaste and I was, I was like, oh, I'm, I'm using a good toothpaste. And all of a sudden I, I break out in hives all over my stomach and they don't go oh away God. for a really long time. But what happened was I started um, realizing my vision was going and I know I have yeah. like perfect vision and I was at the computer and I was doing like my nursing notes and I'd be like, like squinting, like I can't, like it's almost cloudy. So I ended up going to a naturopathic doctor and I never told him I was using any Splendor Sucralose. And the first thing he said was, what's in your protein powder? And I was like, I don't know, like protein, good stuff. <laughs> I don't know. He's like, check it because I think you might have something in there that your body doesn't like, it doesn't like. And I'm like, okay. Um, I came back to him. I'm like, yeah, there's sucralose in it. There's Splenda. And I'm like, but I've been itching my skin a lot like crazy too. And he's like, um, and he gave me an article on it and it's all about like how it damages your retinas and your eyes and all this. So I was like, Oh, like as soon as you told me that, and it took about a month for it to come out of my system. And then my vision came back and it was so weird. Arrow so I was having, I was having almost like weird, like MS symptoms as well. Like I remember going to the emerge one night because I was having like my, uh, like all up along my hands and stuff. I was having like tingling and nerve like pain and stuff and i remember going to the emergency and they're like there's nothing wrong with you and it was oh the sucralose so but yeah thank you you've just like blown a lid off so many things that's <laughs> so many things but i have to say because so many people will say like well i don't drink regular soda so i'm safe because i'm drinking diet soda but also the chemical component and the disgusting fact that you know the aspartame and all of these substitutes are eating us from the inside out quite literally um, but it's also tricking our brain. Yeah, there's actually a lot of studies done on them that they, they actually cause more weight gain because the problem is sugar substitutes, they, they're man-made, so they're made in a lab. That's the truth of them. They're made in a lab. Sucralose Splenda was actually made accidentally. It was supposed to be a pesticide, mm -hmm. and it was basically an, an, an accident how they found it. Um it is calorie free because your body does not recognize it as anything. 
So it actually stores in your body. It doesn't digest or anything. It just goes through your body. It lives in your fat cells. And then as soon as you try and lose weight, it gets released. And then that's when you start having all these issues like eye problems, itching, whatever's going on. Like, so people are wondering like why when they detox, they feel like garbage. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You literally go through a detox period. Mm hmm. Mm -hmm. Like when you, you try to go sugar free or you try to go caffeine free, you're, you're, you're detoxing. And yeah. how many studies are out there saying that sugar is just as addictive as crack or as yeah. you know, a lot of drugs out there? Because it works true. on the same pathways. That's why. Yeah. Right. And you need more of that substance to to make you feel better. So the more sugar you eat, the more your body needs more to get the same reaction out of it. Right. Yeah. What are your top three tips, Bethany, for those who are watching and they've just gotten shook from what you've just said about the aspartame and the diet culture and mentality? What are your top three tips for anyone who's at home right now saying, okay, I got to get my crap together. I got to ditch the diets and get healthy. Yeah. It's hard to give sort of everybody the same thing because everyone's very unique and different and how they're going to approach this. But a lot of the times people want instant gratification Mm -hmm. Um, there's a lot of self-sabotaging behaviors going on that need to be looked at. And then there's no education. And then that's where the rebound weight gain comes from. Mm -hmm. So if that in a nutshell is what's going on in the diet industry. And the biggest, I think, takeaway is that most people need to probably go into coaching and actually get the help that they need <laughs> before they actually start to seriously look at a meal plan. <clears throat> so true. Yeah. 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 And it's important to have someone who can help you figure out really where you are, not where mm -hmm. you've been telling yourself you are, but where you are and help you look at your environment and your lifestyle, mm -hmm. help you anchor in your why and make sure That's that they're massive. asking the right questions so that they can help you plan this roadmap to success because it is a lifelong journey. It's it unlearning. Is. It's finding trust within yourself. Yeah. Yeah. There's a lot of tapes. Um, I think what I deal with probably on a, on a regular basis is the, the day-to-day -day tapes that we, like we all have them in different ways, whether it's about money, relationships, weight, you know, childhood, things like that. We walk with these tapes and these stories and we bring them into adulthood. And that's where we re reach for the plate of food or reach for the substances or sabotage our relationships. Like this is why we see that area of our lives falling apart. Cause some people say, well, I'm so good at this in my life, at my career or <laughs> being a mom or whatever. And there's always one area where you're like, I feel like I'm like drowning. Mm -hmm. story of my life. So we're running out of time. Can you tell our viewers where they can find you? Yeah, sure. <laughs> um, my website is www.nbelish.com. Www it's a bit of a mouthful. Yeah. Um, so I actually do also a free 15 minute call. So that's where I can actually sit and chat with um, women. I mainly deal with mommies. Um, women I deal with as well. Um, but that way I can actually help them get onto my membership and we also do coaching and stuff as well. And there's more success, like I said, with coaching. That's so, amazing. Yeah. Thank you so much, Bethany, for being here and anyone who's Thank interested you. in learning more about Bethany or perhaps working with her, getting on a chat with her, all of her information is on our Facebook page, on Instagram. Um, and if you're signed up to our email list, then you got the announcement tonight and you can get her info there. Thank you, Bethany. Thank you. Thank you. We'll be back in one minute. Ah! I love you, but not that close. Yeah. Isn't it so freaking firing upping? when you hear someone who preaches what you preach who agrees yeah. with every single thing that we've said and it's not just because <laughs> yeah. you and i have you know we have certifications in hypnotherapy and rapid transformational therapy and coaching but to hear it from a freaking registered nurse who studied mm. nutrition who's left that field because it's like i can't help people for reals for reals if i'm following this 
process yeah. of punch in, punch out. Like mm -hmm. there's so many more layers. Yes. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> and we have another guest tonight. I love when we do two guests. It's, it, it feels like so much time packed so quickly, but we get to the meat and potatoes really quick. Yeah. And our second guest tonight is Dr. Carla. I've been waiting a long time to have Dr. Carla on the show. She's just a ball of energy, love, light, and all of the things. And she literally wrote the book on love and fear. And she's just a ball of fire. Kelly, you're absolutely going to love her. <gasps> can I get a drum roll? You can get a drum roll. I'm so excited. Welcome to Flip the Script, Dr. Carla. Hello. Hello, hello. Hello, hello, hello. hello. Nice to meet you. Thank you for being here. Oh, pleasure. True pleasure. Thanks. Dr. Carla, I could brag about you all day, but I'd rather if you did it yourself because you'll probably get the information 100% right. So you're an author, a speaker, you're so accomplished in so many things. How did this journey begin, we'll say? Okay, so I grew up as the ninth child in a family of 10 kids, mom Whoa. and dad, you know, had 10 of us. And um always on some level knew I wanted to be a psychologist, but I was told I was, because I tested a little too high on IQ tests, I was told I was too smart to be a, a therapist and was guided and coached into, <laughs> yeah, I know, too smart, into the wonderful field of law. And when I was in law school um, at Hastings in San Francisco, my body started really talking to me and it actually started happening in, in my fourth year of college. My body was saying, you're not happy. We're going on a hunger strike, which was the only thing I knew to do. It was the only thing within my control and got severely anorexic, almost died. And um, I remember one of the reasons I left law school, not only because I knew it wasn't right for me, but I was having trouble walking up the steps to get up to the building. I was that thin and really felt very powerless. And it came out, of course, as eating disorders, you know, really do. There, there are places where we gain power and control. And um, I remember I, that it was such a difficult journey. And then coming back from that, um, was a pretty lonely task because um, of family dynamics, but I sort of figured it out. And um, the way I figured it out was by going into a master's program, leaving law school, going into a master's program to be a therapist. And somewhere in there got married and then you know a couple of years later had a child and then was given an invitation to work for my parents in their company which seemed like a wise decision at the time so i could have my little ones with me so left the track of psychology and jumped into that business which was terribly unfulfilling and own story it's its own story Fast forward, one day I wake up, say, can't do this anymore, refuse to do it anymore. Body is talking to me again. And it's saying in very loud terms, you're not happy, you're not feeling well, get out of here. So risking everything, my marriage, everything, my husband said, well, you have enough education behind you. You can't go back and earn your doctorate. Yeah. Do you well, want to stop you real fast to ask you? Sure. What was your body saying to you? Like, what type of signals were you getting from your body that was saying, like, this is wrong? Such a good, not showing up. Mm -hmm. Such a good question. It was twofold this time. One, a loss of interest in eating again, which seems to be my go-to. Instead of eating for comfort, I deny myself for yeah. comfort. Strange, but you know, that's how the body yeah, was. Completely doing. understandable. Yeah. Yeah. And the other piece was with my very nonstop work hours where I was trying so hard to please everybody, my kids, my husband, my family, the business, all the clients making loads of money for other people. But my body was starting to feel it in my head and headaches, not migraines, but headaches that were just intense. So finally, after my husband said, no, going, you're not going back to school, I'm thinking, who are you to tell me? I thought, okay, I'd rather be under a bridge, have everybody, I imagine the worst case scenario, how bad can this get? I'll be under a bridge with my two kids, no home, no anything. 
Are you prepared for that? Yeah, I'm prepared for that. That's wow. better than this. So went back to school while working full time to earn my doctorate. And just for the first time in my life, in my doctoral program, I didn't experience this in my master's program. It was a very different program. I found people who were like me. Mm-hmm. And I found my family. People connection. Who, oh, connection. First time in my life, other than, you know, one particular boyfriend where I experienced connection. Mm-hmm. And lack of judgment and just people whose brains operated on soul on heart on energy where where money wasn't the end all be all which you know is so important and so that is my very non-linear journey Mm -hmm. and were it not for the support of my mom and my you know two sons at the time probably couldn't have done it I, in fact, I know I couldn't. Well, I don't know I couldn't have done it. But I mean, they really, I, I often say they earned my doctorate yeah. because they were so supportive. And um, the universe, when I took that leap, which is, it's really how I work with clients. When I took that leap with faith, but pragmatism, I was really working my butt off, probably sleeping, you know, four hours, five hours a night, which I don't recommend to anybody. But the point being that, the universe started really watching out for me in ways that I couldn't have done on my own. And so my mission became, which is why I have written three books. The first, Joy from Fear. It was my doctoral dissertation. I decided to research fear quantitatively and qualitatively to help me figure out, was I alone in this experience where fear, I'm a powerful person. I don't get afraid, right? Newsflash, it was fear that kept me in a half-lived life. It's mm. fear that drove my anorexia. It's fear that was driving all of these issues. So I thought, if I can find a way to research this and then help people move through their fears, mm-hmm. then my fears and all my pain is worth it yep. because I will be able to spread the word about, hey, I did this. I did this. You can too. Yep. Turn and your message into your message. Absolutely. And it's not about getting over your fears. It is about looking at them, learning the messages and moving through them to the other side. What if, what, Dr. Carly, what if you don't know that you're afraid? What if you think that you're just following your analytical mind because your heart and following your passion and bliss isn't logical right now? And so you're trying, you keep making all of these excuses as to when the right time will be and when things will get, you know, smoother sailing that is fear-based. But if you're not conscious of that in the Mm -hmm. moment, the story you keep telling yourself is I'll take care of that later. What did Um, you discover about that? Again, another really great, great point. And we can all keep those scripts going. And there are people on their deathbeds who kept the script going their entire life. And there's a time when we have to really look in the mirror, the mirror of the self, you know, and say, what's holding me from going through this right now, today, tomorrow? And if the answer is you're not prepared, you won't, you will, you will, you truly will be homeless, right? Then the answer is, okay, then what do I need to do today and tomorrow to start that journey macro goals that are specific and achievable with micro goals underneath. For example, put your application out to doctoral schools, right? Start getting that, start getting references, do what you need to do. And then ask the universe over here. In the meantime, please start watching out for me. Mm-hmm. <laughs> please start. Catch, so that- me I fall. Catch me as I leap. Catch me as I leap. Catch me as I leap. But sometimes what, I'm not sure. What did your research, research come up with any of this but what what is the outcome when people do wholeheartedly decide to follow their heart lean into love and jump into their alignment what is usually there they usually don't end up homeless do they no and in fact for most people you know for most people as long as you're doing it wisely and I'm saying, you know, leap with wisdom. You don't go to the edge and say, I'm just going to leap. It's like, let me help. Let me find some wings. You know, let's let's get the wings going. And so what I found in my research is that people who are willing to face their fears and say, OK, I realize this is what's keeping me back. 
they people who who are make friends with their fear have higher levels of satisfaction joy and fulfillment in life mm -hmm. people who don't do that self-awareness work and it's all it is it's self-awareness work really stepping up to that mirror and having the hard talks with yourself right mm -hmm. the people who don't do that live by being their fear becomes their jailer so they have higher levels of depression, higher levels of life dissatisfaction, lower levels of life fulfillment, and no surprise, higher levels of immobilization. Mm -hmm. Meaning immobilized in a job that's not yeah. right, a relationship that's not right, habits that are not fulfilling, right? Mm -hmm. And so it's really about, I see fear as, and this is, you know, in my book, Joy from Fear, we have fear, two sides of fear. Fear that is really constructive, that says, hey, stop at the red light, don't power on through, right? Constructive fear. Hey, knock at the door, it's midnight, make sure it's, you know, look through the peephole, whatever it is, right? But then they have this other side of fear, that today is so prevalent in our world and it's it's really destructive. We're not running from an intruder. We're not running from, you know, a tiger, but we have this constant fear, this anxiety that I'm not enough. Mm -hmm. and we Instagram and TikTok and we're not fit enough or pretty enough or powerful enough or our food isn't enough, you know, whatever the pictures are, we're not enough. And we are becoming increasingly afraid that we are not enough because we're seeing these highlight reels from other people's lives. And of course it's happening on TV everywhere you look, there's the perfect life, the perfect whatever. So we live under this constant fear that we are not enough we are not loved. We are not accepted. We are imperfect. Mm -hmm. But what, what, what amount of that fear is also based in our egos, right? Because there is the component of trauma, which is, you know, I am not enough, the unhealed wounds, or that's not available to me, depending on how you've grown up in, in your situation and the story we're telling ourselves. But a lot of that fear is based on materialisticism. I just made up a new word. Um, you know, that's my French side speaking, but it's wanting more so we can keep up with the Joneses, so we can look like all of those stories on Instagram. And that is based in ego. You're absolutely right. It is based in ego and in a, and you look at the ego, you know, you look at the, the id, the ego and the super ego looking at it that way for, for a minute. And the id is the, the little kid in us that says, I want, I need, give me, give me, give me now. And we're living in id a lot. Mm -hmm. The ego, right, is that part that we present to the world. This is who I am. This is what I'm doing. This is, I'm the psychologist. I'm the librarian. I'm the whatever I am, right? And then we have the super ego that's, you know, saying, hey, be, be the best self. Be the best self. And it's about getting a balance where we know that id is working us. Press buy now, press buy now, press buy. Well, no, I don't need to press buy now, right? For me, when my little id acts up, I have a folder. I call it my wish folder. And I cut the thing out of the magazine or write it down. I put it in my wish folder. And if I still want it in a year, then okay, right? Yeah. Oh, my, my wish folder is so full. Yeah. yeah, and I love it because I'm getting fulfilled by saying, okay, I get it. You really want this pretty thing. And we'll see if you want it in a year, right? Yeah. And of course, that's different from things that we really need, like a warm mm -hmm. coat that we need or whatever, right? And so, but so that's what how we deal with id, the ego, that part, that mask that's on for the world. We have to have conversations with it all the time. Mm -hmm. Conversations with, you know, I think more like a teenager where this other one's like the three or five year old, and this one's the teenager that once is always on stage, yeah. right? And so it's about saying, yeah, these parts of me are here, but if we work to have more of the superego quality, which is, you know, being a good person, being the self, being unique. And, you know, my third book, which is called Date Smart, it is all focused on authenticity. 
-hmm. about really diving in, not that joy from fear isn't, but it's all about come to know yourself and what you like about yourself, breathe into. Come to know yourself and what you don't like about yourself so much, if it can be fixed, up-leveled, like maybe I'm not a great communicator, up-level it. Mm -hmm. If it can't be fixed and it's just part of who you are, celebrate your quirky. Mm -hmm. I love that. What do, you, what do you do when you are researching for your books? Like, how do you how do you get into like the mind of other people to know what people need to hear? You know, I am so fortunate that I work with a wide variety of clients. And uh, until just recently, I just got too overcommitted, ran a women's group that had 300 plus members, right? Oh, wow. So plus I have friends and family and I really soak in energy and experiences. And I'm so curious about not just the human condition, but to help improve the human condition because you know, we've all suffered, some more than others. And my passion in life is to not just ease suffering, but fuel the ability to thrive, right? Mm -hmm. And so the work, yes, I do research to back up, whether it's, you know, attachment research or, or whatever, you know, neuroscience research to make sure that I have lots of good stats behind me. But also there's so much that I see in my clinical work where we are all so much more alike than we are different. Yeah. And so I just have the fortunate lens of being able to be with people who allow me the privilege of being in their worlds to work with them on healing. And so, um, so much of my work comes not just from book knowledge, not just from clinical knowledge, not just from real life experience, but also, and I really have to attribute it to there's something with the higher power, the divine, that really asks me to be a channel. Mm -hmm. And I've sometimes, you know, I will look at a passage I wrote and I go, wow, that was really great. <laughs> I didn't write that. Yeah, that's what Emma does all the time. <laughs> yeah, I say that all the time. I'm like, whoa, you know, even yeah. in a session with a client, I'll ask a question and I'm like, that sounded really good, guys. <laughs> like, up, like, thanks. Yeah. But, and, and that's such a perfect segue into, you know, sort of a question mark, but an observation is that if I heard you correctly, you said that when you were a little girl, you wanted to be a psychologist, but the noise around you didn't feel that that was an appropriate, you know, path for you at the time. And that just gave me shivers everywhere because isn't it interesting how we do have that connection, that inner knowing, and it gets so tuned out by all of the noise and expectations and judgments and mm -hmm. our environment. And then we spend the rest of our life chasing that purpose and that alignment that we had when we were little. Yeah. So true that for many people, their passion is socialized out of them because of the messages of what they should be. Oh yeah. Absolutely. And Yes. So I really believe that that and there's a great book on it um, written by Joseph Hillman and Michael Ventura. And it starts like 100 years of psychotherapy. Right. It's, it's that's the, the beginning of the title. And they really dive into the truth that for most of us, we are born with this like acorn of awareness of this is what I'm here for. This is my passion. And we are told you're not smart enough, you're not good enough, it's not enough money in that field, that field's too, too full, go here. Oh, you, you are. Exactly. And so people end up living lives that aren't fulfilling because yep. it's not what their passion is and they're doing it for someone else. And I can't tell you how many people I've worked with who have gone on to get higher education and you know, make it through four years of medical school and say, I don't want to be a doctor. Yep. Go through, you know, an engineering degree and say, I can't tell you how many engineers I've worked with. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And that brings me to my, you know, to one of my final questions. And I think, is it ever too late to course correct? Oh, goodness. I don't believe it's ever too late to course correct. 
no matter somebody's age, one of my favorite women, she's passed, her name is Marion Woodman. Mm -hmm. um, so if you don't know her work, one of her most amazing works is Addiction to Perfection, which mm -hmm. really talks about anorexia and eating disorders. And she, when I met her and had the privilege of meeting her, she was you know, probably 79 at the time. She was one of the most beautiful women I've ever seen in my life. I mean, just her energy was so pure. She started her career in, she was a teacher and went into helping women and, you know, psychotherapy in her mid to late fifties. Wow. And then that became her passion. And, you know, in our area, um, we have a, a really high, highly rated junior college. And there are often, especially pre-pandemic, women in their 70s, 80s, 90s going back to school. I love that because there is this, this attitude towards, well, you've been in that job, you've been in that career for 15 years, you don't know anything else. Mm -hmm. You have kids to feed, you have a roof over your head. What are you thinking? And what I would say to that is you've been in a job 15 years, too long. Give gratitude to that job for what it gave you. Realize that your kids are looking at you. This is my in with people who have kids. Your kids are looking at you for a model of how to be. Mm -hmm. Do you want them to live in indentured servitude or do you want them, do you want to be a model of what it's like to live with passion and purpose? Are you looking into my soul? I think you're looking into my soul when you say that. I feel it. You've got, got chills everywhere. So and we have to we have to cut it if we want the ladies to ask any questions. Um, I'll yes, is that okay, it. Dr. Carla? We'll bring the of ladies. Of course. Yeah, we only have a few minutes. Um, so we have Tina, Erica, and Rachel. And these are all the ladies that, oh, let me put you in the middle. We, these are all the ladies that are going through the total transformation with us. Um, and do you guys have any questions? I am giving, we're only giving you like- Love, fear, boundaries, relationships, eating disorders. We've got the expert here. Go for it, ladies. Lovely to meet you. Yeah. I, guess I would ask about how to deal with fear with dating. Mm. With dating? Yeah. You know, I would ask you, what is your fear? What is the fear? I mean, I think there's a lot, but right now, the current one is that I will invest in a relationship and they will turn out to be something completely different. Yeah, and I will so have wasted fun. that time. Or worse, get hurt. Hmm. Well, just as a warning, love hurts. Right? Love her. Lazarus with the song on it, man. Right? And the idea is what do we do with that hurt? I'm married, right? And my husband hurts me sometimes, and I'm sure I hurt him. So, what do we do with that? Do we use that to up level and learn more? So, being, you know, that fear of love hurting, it's a valid fear. Love hurts sometimes. On the other hand, on the really positive side, that when you, and I talk about this a lot in Date Smart, when you first do some self-work to really come to terms, not with just what you want from a relationship and sky's the limit for whatever you want, right? But what you bring to a relationship, and that's the second piece. Do you bring fidelity, hard work, conscientiousness, love, you know, soul, passion, once you start breathing in to what you have to bring to a relationship, then you're already breaking through some of the fear and the barriers because you're saying, I'm a valuable human being and somebody's going to be lucky to get this. When you believe that, then you will start pulling people toward you who are less likely to harm you intentionally or thoughtlessly. Then, as you decide to put your toe in the dating world, make sure you have good support. Make sure you have a girlfriend or someone who says, hey, I'm getting this red flag. This red flag's popping up. Is this me? Right? Is this some unhandled trauma? Okay, I'll go handle the trauma. Or is this person disrespectful? 
And if they're disrespectful, I'll give them one warning. If it's a big disrespect or maybe no warnings, you just cut it off. But all of that comes from not being afraid of losing that person. Because in that case, you want to lose that person. Yeah. Part of your psyche is, oh, somebody's better than nothing. Somebody loves me. We've all been there, right? But the wiser part of you is going to go, no. I want someone who's going to respect me and love the heck out of me yeah. for all that I am. And I will give that back in spades. Can we take one quick pause for a second? Let me say goodbye to E360. We'll continue Bye, on E360. Facebook. See you guys live on Facebook. Thank you. Yeah, go over to Facebook, the Kema Method. Bye. Dr. Carla, thank you for staying on. When it comes to fear, and you know, you spoke about the universe, I'll permit myself to ask this question to see. When it comes to dating or you know any other aspect of our life, when the story we make up is fear-based, how much do you believe that that is what we attract? We attract the very situations that we are afraid of. Um, I have a spin on that. Such a good point. I have the belief that we attract that which has the potential to heal us. Mm. Now here's where it gets tricky. Let's say I was abused by my former partner. So I'm going to go into a relationship wanting someone to help me heal. I'm working with a therapist over here, but I'm also moving into a relationship wanting somebody I can trust who won't betray me. Universe is going to bring me someone who has the power to help me heal. They're going to be trustworthy, faithful, honest, and help me heal. Or they may bring me someone who looks like that trustworthy, faithful person. And it's up to me to figure out which. To see so if I learned my lesson and healed. Yes. And I, I see. lean into my intuition. Yes. And then that's the work. And then say this guy who's a bit of a, what would we call him? A not good person, right? Or woman, right? Somebody comes in and they're up to no good and they're using their mask and their charisma to trick us. Well, that's where our boundaries come in. And we say, you know what? Got betrayed before and see, I'm on to you, buddy. You've got to earn the right to be with me. Notice how just by doing that, that even if I got the wrong guy, I've listened to my tuition. I said to this guy, I've learned my lesson. You get out of here. I'm waiting for somebody good. Mm -hmm. So that's the piece where when we stand in our truth, but we have to know what our truth is first, we can heal some of our wounds Mm -hmm. by just being. And that's one of the reasons that as soon as we add sex into the equation, our hormones go crazy. Our oxytocin is going, ah, it doesn't really matter about the red flags. Let me love them. Right? No sex. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know, we've all been there where it's like, oh, but I want to have sex, right? And it's just be aware that once you start having sex, your judgment is going to get a little clouded, especially for women, because, you know, our feel good neurochemicals, yeah. a lot of times just our desire to be cuddled and loved, which is such a natural desire, makes us do things that aren't necessarily in our best interest. But how many stories have we heard or seen on TV? Like you're watching those Dateline shows and you're hearing the story or you're watching a friend going, are you kidding me? That's going to crash and burn. This doesn't feel right. And you're getting all those icky feelings and they're just like, oh, he's so great or she's so great and she's so awesome. And you're going, what? And that's the sex thing? You think that's what it is? It's this. It's partly the sex, but even if, Sex isn't involved yet. When we are doing something where we get intermittent rewards, right? A text, a phone call, the most addictive type of reward in the world. It's how they get us on slot machines, right? You don't ever know what you're going to get. And so it's the intermittent rewards, the unpredictable, and that's what dating's all about. So we're getting addicted to the attention. When's the next text coming? When's the next phone call? When's the next, you know, date? And so we're just in this, the limerence stage is a really enticing, intoxicating stage. It's also pretty dangerous. How do we not get addicted to it? I need to get this book. I need to get this book. But how do we, quickly, how do we not get addicted? You know, the way that we don't get addicted is to just stay mindful. It doesn't mean that you can't, 
that you can't have lots of fun. It just means really slow yourself down if you feel a red flag. You know, if you feel that somebody's being disrespectful or dishonest, slow it down. Yeah. Write it out, do some journaling, you know, look at yourself, talk to a friend, talk to a therapist, say, is this me or is this? And somebody who knows, who's objective, can step back and say, hey, that's the third guy, time the guy ditched you. Yeah. For, with, yeah, he's no, move forward. But we're like, oh, but he's so cute. And oh my God, the sex is so good. And they're like, no, no sex is that good. Yeah. I love it. So it's that part where we really have to value our worth and really know our boundaries and believe that we are worthy of being loved and not just being loved in words but being loved by somebody's actions. Because like many people, you know, I grew up in a household where love did not equal huggy kissy. Love sometimes equaled significant pain, right? Mm -hmm. So we, then we unconsciously live that out in relationships and we just have to do a reset and say, wait a second, love equals respect. Love equals friendship. And if this person's not treating you like a true friend, they're not worth your time. Yeah. Dr. Carla, we have to go, but I, I, do you have, what, what would your top three tips be on someone who the story they keep making up in their head is that they're stuck in this fear base. They're scared maybe to leave the relationship they're in or the job or the situation because the kids are little and the bills and the mortgage and the whole thing is dark. What would the, the top three tips be to help move them from fear to, to a little more joy or to hope even Mm -hmm. What I my top thing would be get support. If you can't afford a therapist, find or start a women's support group. Women in my support group, there's nothing like the power of a woman's support group. Women would say to me, I learn more just from listening to somebody else's problems because we would work through such a variety of issues. That's how we, we need support. We cannot get out of our own way sometimes. So if you can't get out of your way, you're not broken. It's just you're not getting another perspective. We need another perspective. And so top tip is get support. Second tip, and it's one of the reasons I wrote the books the way that I did. Every book I write or have written thus far, three of them have workbooks in them. My website, which has to get corrected because I found out they weren't downloading, has free forms under the Your Journey sheets to get you started. So if the cost of a book is prohibitive, get the free downloads. Oh, cool. But Go to your community, whether it's the YWCA, find where there is a woman's support group and or start one on your own. Start it around a book club, something to get you going. So that's the first thing, because we all need support. And when we're in a house where we feel like we're just treading water, you know, we're maintaining life or we're we're doing the job. The kids are, all, you know, dragging us. And I don't mean that in a negative way. I used to get this image, and I know we have to wrap it up, of being in a life preserver, right? Wow. Hanging on to the life preservers, two kids on my back, and a husband pulling me underneath from the feet. Not pushing me, not supporting me, pulling me down. Yeah, That's not sustainable, and you shouldn't have to sustain that. So the other thing is create a new image for yourself. If that image resonates and you want it to be different, start visualizing that island that island over there, kicking the husband off your legs, taking <laughs> you and your babes. Yeah, like, get out of here. Go mooch off somebody else. Okay, I'm with you. Um, and I don't take marriage lightly. So anyway, getting, seeing a new, a new vision for yourself. And the other piece is start putting out feelers. Put out feelers by looking for different jobs, different housing. And I believe that that's the part where we start manifesting. When we start putting out feelers, even talking to people, daring to express our hopes and dreams. This is what I'd like. Universe listens to that stuff. Mm -hmm. When we start having the courage to verbalize, not to people who don't respect us or people who will pull us down, but to people who will get us and support us. Oh, you know, I just heard about a job opening over here. Yeah, it happens. Really quick story. When I was doing my jump, 
I was making as an intern, this was when I was doing my segue, $17 an hour. I thought, God, if I leave my day job, I will never make it work. Got a phone call the next week where the company that was running the probation where my internship was. And I thought, oh, my God, what's happening? I, I can't lose my $17 an hour. I'll never, you know, do this next thing. They wanted to pay me three times what I was making. Wow. Because they were taking a new form. How's that? I didn't ask. Mm-hmm. They gave it, they, they brought it to me. And of course I earned it and it was, yeah, but the whole point is once we start putting that message out there, I'm ready. Universe, start sending me stuff, send me signals. Yeah. I'm going to trust I'm going to do the work. Your life will change because you're making it change. Yeah. yeah. You still have to take imperfect action every day, but you're setting the intention. Oh, you're, yeah. you're allowing yourself to receive it. And that's the, that's the secret sauce is feeling yeah. worthy of receiving. Absolutely. And give up the idea of perfection. Oh, yeah. my God. I love that I'm perfect. I used to be a perfection addict. Oh, my God. I'm imperfect all over the place. And I love it. Yeah, I love right, it. Ladies. So much more freeing. Just say it from the get go. I'm imperfect. You like me? You don't like me? OK, you're lost. Yeah, I right. love this. we Dr. can continue this forever. Dr. Thank Dr. you so Thank much. You so much. You, all of Dr. Carla's info is on our Facebook page, the links to her websites, her books, where to buy them. She's just fantastic. Go check her out. I'm going to look at your worksheets because Thank I might be dabbling much. in the world of dating. Who knows? I might be open to that. We'll yes, yeah. the universe thinks that I'm ready. So, all right. Thank you so much. Thank Dr. you very Carla. much. Yes, and give those worksheets a couple days because I was just alerted that they're not downloading. It's doing a contact thing. Well, so we have to get your book first. So okay, get all the books. All right. Thank they're, you. They're beautiful books. I, this is my first one. This is my baby, Joy from Fear. Love oh, it. Very nice. Oh, there it is. And this is, I don't have Aging Joyfully here with me, but this is Date Smart. That's the one in the Christmas stockings this year. <laughs> so, All right. it's, it's really nice because it's so authentic. So take good care. Thanks yes, for having us. Thank you so much, Carla. There's so good much night. to unpack. Good night. Good night. Good night. Good night.